God. Hallelujah. Jesus frees us. And since we are his sheep, he does deflee us. That we may come out of the world into heaven without the leaven that ruineth the lump. We get anything out of tonight's message, we're going to learn a little King James Version. All right. Thee before thine, except after thou. Hallelujah. Don't have a cow. Uh-huh. Amen. No idolatry. Cowabunga, dude. Put you in a good mood of the mm-hmm. Holy Ghost. Cowabunga, dude. Surfs up in the glory. So it's never boring. So you never end up snoring. Awaken the dead. It is time to rise. Getting further and further away from religion's flies. And we know that's what everyone's overcoming because the only curse of the fall the Bible actually says is religion. They shall overcome and conquer and swallow up in victory death. So yeah, death is our enemy, but death is Christian religion of the bewitchment of externalism of do's and don'ts without the Torah of the Lamb of God working in your spirit. I will write my law upon their spirit and upon their mind, says the Lord. So what is the opposite of the fulfillment of the law of Moses written on our heart and mind, which is the fulfillment by the Lamb of God? Externalism. Externalism is the potent sorcery of Babylon the Great, and that's why so many have struggled so much. It's exceedingly deceptive that even the elect and the elite, which means the most highly trained ministers, would be deceived. Book of Jude, it is written, if it were possible. We know it's possible. It's not just possible. You've dealt with it your entire lives. A people who don't understand God's celestial ways. We will be a people of understanding. We will understand the wisdom of the first family. We will not perish for lack of understanding like those before us who died in the wilderness and never inherited the promises What are the promises? Immortality, invincibility of the gospel, transfiguring your spirit, soul, mind, and body in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, no longer in the animal shadows below, no longer the very animals of Adam. What he zoo kept, he became. It's true. Now we are learning how to be the children of the resurrection. We are learning how to rise. For I will raise up unto myself my faithful priest. Singular. Why? We rise as one. There is one Son of God and we are in His body if we are obedient to His Torah. What's the Torah of the Lamb? The teaching of Jesus, the red letter ministries. 
truths anyhow. Jesus had a Torah. He was continuously in Israel called rabbi. Doesn't mean we're getting weird on the Jewish stuff. It means we're getting more advanced in the prophetic stuff. We're maturing in the prophetic, which is what we need during these times, the way of the Lord, the spirit of prophecy, which means we're going to walk in it, we're going to know it, we're going to flow it, and we're going to glow it. It'll be made our very flesh. What? The Torah of the Lamb of God. It is invincibility. Bible says by the preaching of the gospel, you destroy the works of the devil. No, not every gospel destroys the works of the devil. If you haven't noticed, a lot of gospels are no gospels at all. Galatians chapter 1, if anyone brings forth a gospel other than the one I preached, let him be anathema, destroyed into hell, it is written. <laughs> so it's pretty strict. But it's wonderful to get into the strictness of the freedom of the gospel, which is the Torah of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Messiah. We need to understand the gospel as the Torah of a rabbi. Why? Because we're loose. We don't have the same mindset as the first century recipients of salvation. We have a very worldly, Babylonian, removed mindset, so we don't understand the message clearly, thoroughly, in what Jesus taught, what Jesus walked in, and what he demonstrated. It's going to be clear to you before he returns. In fact, you're going to return to him before he returns to the earth. Do you know that? That's what the Bible says. You shall go forth as the children of resurrection, Luke 20, long before Jesus returns to earth. So if you have terrestrial plans, make celestial plans. Otherwise, you'll meet him in death, which won't be so bad anyhow, amen? But there's a higher calling than meeting him in death. There's the perfect, which is meeting him in resurrection by learning his Torah and walking in it. The Torah of the Lamb of God illuminates the sapphire stones. It is written, Your word, or Torah, is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. What path? The path of the resurrection. Enoch's path. It illuminates the way upward, the path of angels. Very first promise in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Promise number one was that Nathaniel, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Which means, I will illuminate the angelic path to you. That's the first promise to the apostles in the New Testament. Now, I don't know very many people, even in Christianity today, that even have the first promise in operation in their lives. Yet it's in the Word. Why? By how far we've strayed in Greek education from Hebrew Torah. Vision was the most important thing to the Hebrews. If you study the Bible, vision is number one, not just an Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation chapter 3, you think you see, my church, my apostolic glory stream church of Asia Minor, you think you see, but I say, you are blind, wretched, pitiful, poor, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me salve that you may see. It is written. So seeing is the most important thing to Jesus 
and all the Old Testament prophets and anyone that is obedient and in right standing with God as well. From the beginning to the end, vision is most important. So having eyes to see, ears to hear, what the Spirit is saying and doing. I only do what I see it is written. If you can't see, Scripture says, there's no chance you'll ever do the works of the Holy Spirit. And so we say, well, I didn't know that. Well, we're going to know that and we're going to see it because the pure in heart see God. How often are there blockages when our spiritual vision is not working and operating? 100% of the time, our own shortfallings let's be real honest with ourselves, our own sins, which is anything that separates us from the vision of the Ophanim. We're coming into a season of greater vision, which means guaranteed any spiritual attribute that begins working in your hearts and minds will be accompanied with angels 100% of the time. This means the Ophanim are coming. Amen. And the Ophanim shall loose our eyes. The purchase of Isav is the presence of eye angels. We're going to get into real eye candy. We're going to get into the angels of the eyes of the great I Am. And their name is the Ophanim. And they want to be a part of your spiritual vision. They will disciple you as it is written. Angels help you inherit God. Salvation, which is more of God. God formed in your very eternal, born-again, new creature being. The reason why there's so little vision is because we don't even value the Ophanim. We often, if you haven't noticed, by people that come around the glory of God, they value natural sight. You know what that means in Scripture? They value blindness. Blindness is sold on every street corner called God's vision. They actually call the seers of blindness the seers of true Ophanim vision. They do, because we are very far from the standard. I tell you the truth, God's going to raise the standard in these days of the vision of the principalities of the holy Ophanim, of the chief archangel Ophanim. And the archangels, it is written, intercede for the shortfallings of the righteous. That's what the Bible says. The archangels are priests unto God, it is written. Which means their job is to help the elite and the elect not be deceived and not shortfall and not sin with their eyes or with their ears or their senses or their ignorance. And Michael taught Enoch all the secrets of righteousness and you can guarantee Prince Michael will teach also the remnant the secrets of righteousness of the kingdom of heaven in these days it was the archangels interacting with all the elite and elect of Israel that were not in the synagogues you know a couple were John the Baptist's parents were so there were some people faithful in the church. It's true, it's in the Bible. You gotta be accurate. But the majority of them, the shepherds in the field, the magi in the east, 
the majority were outside the religious system, and that's accurate. But there were a few that were faithful and true in the temple. But the most, and most of them, were outside the temple, so shall it be today. A lot of the remnant that's rising and learning righteousness that is actually under the discipleship and training of real archangels, they don't boast about it to sound good, to build a ministry, to make YouTube videos about oh, all my archangels and all this stuff to sell the next book at Barnes & Noble. They do it to advance God's agenda against men, against the human nature. The prophetic is a sword against the human mind, which is the whole kingdom of hell inside the mark of the animal brain 666. And so the archangels can see it. We often can't. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight, for a while until we have Ophanim sight. And then we walk with the angels. Amen. When you're blind, you're infants in Christ. When you begin to see... Not like the Pharisees, oh, we see now your sins are certainly held against you, Jesus Christ said. Not that kind of scene. That was the scene of their determination to be their own judges. They determined in their hearts, they were accurate in their vision, that they were true, just judges. But Jesus Christ called them liars, hypocrites. You teachers of the law and Pharisees, which means teachers of the Bible and spiritual leaders. Pharisees were the most spiritual people in temple. They loved signs, wonders, miracles, and angels. Truth in hell. You could say they were the Pentecostals and Charismatics of Judaism, and that's the truth. But Jesus said they were the sons and daughters of Satan. Why? Because their hearts were not with God, their souls were greedy for the things of God to look a certain way before others, to sound a certain way, they conformed to an image that was acceptable to the people. He didn't have a prophetic witness until John the Baptist appeared and he was sandpaper against them. He constantly was an irritation to the most spiritual people in his nation. So shall the remnant be today an irritation, like sandpaper, like camel's hair inside out, towards charismatic and Pentecostal earthly Christians who think they see as just judges. Yep. So the disease of this day is not leprosy. The disease of your time, the time of the Laodicean church that you are in, is making yourself a judge in your own eyes. That's the main thing you deal with in the Laodicean church. They are self-appointed judges and their judgment is so far from God they don't even know him, yet they claim he is their God like the Pharisees of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's exactly what you're dealing with in these days. What's the prescription from Dr. Jesus to be healed from your iniquities? Humble yourself. Let the Holy Ghost be the judge. The fastest way to grow is don't even judge at all and don't even claim to be a spiritual person for a spiritual person judges all things. You are not fit to be judges. You are fit to be judged clean 
so the judge himself, Jesus Christ, can be accurately formed in you with the Torah of the Lamb. Then the Word will be a just judge. And it's the Word of grace. It's the fulfillment of Moses. It's not Torah in the animal brain. What did that produce? <laughs> Murderers and self-righteous liars and lovers of money. They loved the regulations and the rulership of the law instead of loving the Lord who gave them the law. We like the do's and don'ts of the law. We need to like the Lord who inspired the prophets who wrote it. We say law, we often cringe right now because most of you coming out of hypergrace, sensationalism, all kinds of error and Gnosticism and nonsense in these days. But you're just simply coming out of the animal nature of the earth entirely. And as you rise into the sun of righteousness, there will be healing in the beams to burn off the doctrines of men and women from your hearts and minds so God can inscribe the law of Moses and the law of the Lamb. Now, I tell you the truth. The law of Moses is not a negative thing when it's inscribed on your spirit. Now, it's total Phariseeism and total nonsense if it just be an external thing. But so is your greasy grace Christianity. That's what hypocrites of Christianity are. What's the difference between an external Christian and an external Hasidic Jew? You've taken old Torah, new Torah, and applied it externally to your flesh. You're both Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Truth anyhow. But when we have it written on our hearts, those will be the Jews engrafted into the cosmic tree of life. Because they are after the spirit of Torah. They are after God's law inscribed on their spirit. Those ones are seeking God and they shall find him. And the law of God will be light in their spirit. And the law of God will be light in their brain. And all the self-appointed judgment will be dispersed and scattered and destroyed. And it will have no order. It will be exposed as the religious works of demons. As it is written, demons have been my rivals. That's the Torah of Moses. You know what the Torah of Jesus Christ is? Same exact thing. Demon spirits of religion, the false prophet of Christianity, have been my rivals. The beast in the forehead and in the hand have been my rivals. And the pride of that ancient primordial evil of the red dragon, the serpent rider, all of it has been my rivals. Which is simply lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Red dragon, beast, and false prophet. That's all it is. It's the fullness of the ability of the flesh in religion. <laughs> what is Antichrist? First John tells you. Those that come in the guise of Christ. In other words, Christians! Christians are Antichrist is what the Bible says. You say that today, they stone you to death. But that's what First John says. Christians that don't have the gospel inscribed on their spirit, it's exact description of what an Antichrist is. And you don't have to look too far to find Antichrist. The churches are filled with Antichrist. 
Christianity is filled with antichrist. The Bible says, I know that the leaven will leaven the whole lump. So about 60 years later, John's on Patmos, and we learn that Christianity will become the house of every evil spirit. It is written in the book of Revelation of every foul, detestable bird and every wicked, demonic beast of the field. And so when we serve demons and call them God and have other gods besides him, they will tear the flesh off your bones and devour you in diseases because you've made religious demons your Jesuses and you've made religious demons your Holy Spirit. But it is not the Holy Spirit and it is not the Lord Jesus. It is an external type and shadow. They are angels of light. Demons of light that deceive it is written. Oh, angels. Nope. They are demons. Fallen angels are demons. Truth anyhow. And they pretend always to be divine, inspired, and God. So we will expose the works of the devil as it is written. When the Torah of the Lamb goes forth, it brings everything hidden in darkness into true light. What's the true light? The Torah of the Lamb understand gospel is a gentile description of torah do you know that we like to say gospel gospel and torah is synonyms same exact thing now there is a benefit to getting into the jewish description because john does in his mature form in the book of revelation it's like all of a sudden we're back into all the jewish stuff it's almost like the time of the Gentiles has come to, the, to an end. Romans 11. Because John went so far into the future, into the day of the Lord, it is written, I was in the day of the Lord, and the Lord raptured me. Which means he wasn't living in his timeline when he wrote that book. He went into the far off future with the Holy Ghost and the angels and wrote about the fulfillment of the promised land and all the promises and if you read that book and you study it they're all and i say all in the second heavens they're all in the second heavens anyone that says otherwise is a liar the second heavens will be consumed and made new by me and you and those that don't go there simply have no rewards because they are cowards outside the city gates it is written which means they have not gone up in the word in their heart Therefore, they shall not descend as the scroll of New Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. We shall first arise, then we shall descend upon them. And they will be utterly consumed when you begin to walk in true Torah. And this will be the word of God on display in the heavens and on the earth. For God made no mistake in the beginning. Only men and women did only angels did then women then men it is written and now the holy angels will serve the men and women inheriting salvation according to original design and we shall rise and learn the ways of angels as it is written arise on the wings of eagles and soar eagles mean angels <laughs> Therefore I heard the angel declaring the Torah, the eternal Torah, which means it's the fulfillment of Moses' Torah, but Moses is involved. 
Moses is involved. We know that because Revelation 15 says they are singing the song of Moses. That's Deuteronomy 32, which is the fulfillment of all Torah written on your spirit and the spirit of your mind. Without hypocrisy, which means the new creature has conquered inside your hearts the old Adamic creature which means you're no longer internally human beings, but externally you will somewhat still look like human beings. You'll have a human form because God does. But God is not a human being, it is written. Jesus Christ ascended and gave his human being, his blood, to the mercy seat, to the throne of God the Father, and was transfigured. Which means Jesus Christ is in flesh, But the Bible says, Philippians 3, it's celestial flesh, and it is not the same as human flesh. Conquering the heavens and making the heavens new is the changing of your mortal bodies into immortality. Amen. Amen. That is so rich. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's that hope of that promise of a renewed mind. The second heavens, a renewed mind and a new body, that the corruptible will put on the incorruptible, and that mortal will put on immortality, that rainbow mind of Christ, the fourth mind, the hope of the promise fulfilled, that you might be raised from the dead spiritual and moral resurrection while yet in the body and that is the hope of full salvation while yet in the body promise to those who remain those who remain the prophet bobby connor said some of you in this generation will not see the grave kingdom age is upon us and what is that gift out of all the spiritual gifts the gifts of the spirit that was written what of those gifts was the one that you should go after the most it is written prophecy <laughs> that's how far it sounds prophecy And what were prophets called before they were called prophets? Every single one of them in the Old Testament. It is written. In those days, they were not called prophets. They were prophets, but what were they called? Seers. Seers. Yeah. (laughs) Isaiah's viewfinder. Can you purchase it? (laughs) Like a heavenly kaleidoscope of celestial glory. And did you know, at the end of the kaleidoscope, you can actually walk through it with your spirit? I'm not going to say you can't with your body. You probably can. I've just never done that before. Isaiah's viewfinder, we purchase it. I self, the Holy Spirit rested upon him, and he prophesied. The Spirit would come upon them, and they would prophesy. Well now, because of the blood of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy dwells within you. So tap into that deeper well. What did we do that word study on? The last couple of weeks we talked about 
the deeper wells of Hakma and Bina. Get wisdom, get understanding. And all you're getting, get wisdom and understanding. Out of all the spiritual gifts, get prophecy. Become a seer. Not just in the brain, right? Technon. But developing that seed to grow as a plant of righteousness. That your spirit grows. And your spirit speaks that which the Holy Spirit witnesses to your spirit. And does not speak of himself, but he testifies of Jesus Christ. For the spirit of prophecy, that's the spirit of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony? New Testament, Old Testament. It's the covenant, new covenant, old covenant. The new covenant in what? In his blood. His transfigured blood. After he was raised from the dead, transfigured in his body, transfigured before the beginning of time, born in the flesh at a point in time, that singularity of the man Jesus, his cross, that portal to the high heavens. What is possible for them who believe? All things, all things according to the will of God our Father. But why do we not have? You have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask so that you can go after your own pleasures. Those selfish pleasures of the flesh are a lie. Once you discover in all your ways, the lie of the pleasures of your own flesh and even of your own spirit, apart from the will of God, you will discover as you continually seek the truth with a pure heart, without a double heart, that those pleasures are not pleasures at all, but they are a pathway to death. For those who are led by the impulse of the flesh, are already dying and those who are led by the Holy Spirit are being led by the Spirit of life they are the sons of God it's an ever-increasing life what are the impulses of the Spirit that lightning from the crown of the Father resting over his head his will his desire his impulses like lightning coming down sapphire stones within you brought by angel messengers in your body, the body of Christ. Jacob's ladder, ascending and descending. With the New Testament, the New Covenant message, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And you open that portal and you release angelic power, the will of your Father. And all it comes with is the sacrifice of your will, your nature. You're changing the very nature of your DNA, of your spirit, soul, and your mind and your body. So that which came naturally to you, you will forsake for his sake. And you're able to, by that mighty working power of the Holy Spirit within you, kindling that mighty force of his will, his word, written on sapphire stones in your heart of hearts in your heart
and in your flesh heart. He will take away that stone heart and give you a new heart. A new spirit, renew a right spirit within me. A new heart and a new mind and a new body made of the precious things. <laughs> Sapphire, stone, DNA. Activated at the hearing of his word. And when they heard the word, they did not harden their hearts, but mixed it with faith, believing what they heard, which was the words that Jesus Christ himself spoke with his own lips. This is the way. The forging of the sword of truth and righteousness, justice, peace, and pure love. <laughs> Not a list of do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. But a full understanding by the Holy Spirit of understanding. The spirit of Hakma, the spirit of Bina, perfectly balanced. Loving kindness and judgment, perfectly balanced by Tiferet, the son of righteousness, of Malachi, with healing in his wings, healing your perception of who God is, and why he said the things that he said, and why he had written the things that he had written, knowing his heart. What is the color of his heart? What is the appearance thereof? What emanates from it? Can you enter into it? Can you rest there? Does he want you there? Oh, say, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Does he miss seeing you the way he originally created your spirit? And wouldn't that be a gift for your father? that you would grow up like a plant in his garden of righteousness and bloom with the blooms and the leaves and the fruit all appearing at once as Aaron's rod bearing fruit in every season having leaves in every season never seeing a winter again continual fruit, continual blooms all seasons of perfect heaven. That branch, that sword, annihilating the enemies of righteousness. And what else do you find inside that place? Well, you see the Aaron's rod. And you see tablets, not just of stone, sapphire stone, not the ones that were broken. Sapphire stone. And what do you see in there next to that? A jar of hidden manna that never decays. You can always eat on it. It never runs out. It's always fresh. It's always golden, bright, beautiful, and emanating life. Eat my flesh, eat this flesh. 
the priesthood of the Holy of Holies. And you can believe my word as it's been spoken to you. And you can take those words and hide them in your heart that you may not sin against him and feast on his word and grow your spirit and become a bouquet, a blossom of a white, pure rose in his garden, carefully grown and trimmed without thorns, and raise up many others in that same way. And in the end, we can present to our Father a bouquet of many hundreds and even thousands of pure white roses, a celestial bouquet, an offering of purity. For it is not the lame and the blind animal that is given as a sacrifice. In the hardness of our hearts, we think that that which is wrong in us is what goes under the fire of the altar, that garbage will go under the altar. I will just give him the blind animal of my nature. I'll just give him the lame animal, the, all my garbage and all my problems and all the manure of my animal life I'll put on the altar. None of that even deserves to be on his golden altar of fire. All of that goes out to Gehenna, to the garbage heap, to the place of the cross. It is defiled and unworthy of a sacrifice to God Most High. But you take out the trash, and you throw it in the Gehenna heap, and you take it to the cross, and you leave your burdens at the cross in the trash heap of Gehenna. It is unworthy to even place upon the altar, and don't even think that that's acceptable before the Lord as a royal priesthood. But Father, we repent. Let us move on now to the true priesthood of righteousness. Once you have taken out that trash and burned those lame animals, those unclean animals unfit for the altar, and slaughtered them at Gehenna, at the place of the skull, at the cross of Jesus, and you perfect a perfect lamb, spotless, and now there's no visible sin, as pure and perfect and washed, and then you're even considered holy by angels and by God. And those little things, those little blemishes that he works on, even considering you holy, you despise even the thought of them. You despising even the thought and fearing and dreading even the thought of offending his majesty. That spotless, perfect animal, that soul, you then take that, and that is what you put on the altar of fire, giving him no less and no more of our conjured imagination. What we imagine beyond what we have attained, and neither offering those things that are unworthy and unfit for his altar, but that perfect, expensive, 
the best of everything that we have to offer. And that is what you slaughter and you kill and you lay it down on the altar. That is your reasonable, acceptable offering unto the Lord. Even now I feel his body within my body. The weight of him being formed on the inside. That's not me. But this is his body. You are being grafted in to his flesh. He is the renewal of your spirit, your mind, your body. He is the all in all, the river of life. He has become the city for his chosen. All things were formed through him, by him, for him, for the goodness of his pleasure. And there's no better feeling than knowing him and knowing that you serve him with a whole heart and your whole spirit. And now in the coming days, with your whole mind, peace with him and that day will come for those who remain and for those who are raised to eternal life that sin will be mentioned no more in that tenth week and will go on to eternal life eternal peace forever delving into the mystery and the wonder and the everyday life and the beautiful moments that we share in this heavenly realm with even the memory of the enemy and darkness long past and for eternities of eternities you will go on to know one another love one another as he loved you Understanding his angels and understanding him. Even in eternities of eternities, future. The unveiling of Christ will continue to unfold in new ways. There is so much more to discover in him. And the only thing that's holding you back your own mind right now but that can change in the blink of an eye in the blink of an eye some will be transformed in the mind to never think the same way again to never have the old thoughts of the old man the old mind the old woman but that of his mind his desires his creation and to be a partaker of his divine nature. We bless your name, Lord. And the goodness of your mercy rest upon these people at the sound of my voice. 
May your goodness and mercy would satisfy these hearts and fill them, sanctify, circumcise, and renew the minds by your Holy Spirit of power and by your counsel. Let your counsel remain in their minds. And praise you, Holy Spirit of counsel, for a renewed mind and you'll never be the same again. And so the bride cheweth the cud in his cloven of hoof. She's clean. The bride of the lamb has become a lamb. Clean. Just like the tongues of fire that came down on Pentecost, they were cloven. Referencing the Torah of Moses, clean. And those in the upper room, they had the cloven tongues, and then they chewed the cud, which is the reference to the clean animals of the sacrificial system of Moses. And now the people became the sacrifices. So notice how it goes from the external animal to dealing with the human being. That's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. And now you are the sacrifice. And you are being made clean through two things. If you read about the living creatures, which I believe are transfigured sons of God, they're cloven of hoof which means they're clean in their walk, <laughs> therefore acceptable to God. And, just like the lamb, they choose a cud, which means they eat grass and vegetation. They had to be herbivores. Yep. And so, you're having the same diet, cud, it's called in the Bible, and the same walk, it's called cloven and cud. This is what makes you the bride of the Lamb, digesting his cud. That's the only thing that made the sacrifice acceptable, that it ate the right food source. If they were not digesting the cud, they were unclean. Once they began to digest and get the cud, the Word of God, they became clean by the Word Jesus spoke to them. And so he's going to have a clean people whose crosses are equal to the cross of the Lamb, which means marriage. So Laodicea is, oh, Jesus, he did it all and it's his big cross. Well, then you can't be his bride because you have a cross to follow him. Until your cross is the same size as him, you're unequally yoked and like mere infants in Christ that know not the things of wisdom absolute truth. He wants you to grow in the priesthood of the cud and the clove and the cross. Three big C's, which is the food, the walk, and the sacrifice. Without the sacrifice of the clean animal, listen guys, there's no covenant. So if you read the scriptures, Revelation says the whole purpose of your maturity is to have the same level sacrifice or cross to be the bride of the Lamb, which is equal to the Lamb in sacrifice. 
but you can't be equal to the lamb in cross or sacrifice except through chewing the cud and walking with cloved hoof which is a consecrated walk that we don't go to the places we used to in our thought life we don't go down from the high place on the holy mountain we're not walking in the wilderness we're not walking in the sand we're not walking in religion and self-righteousness rebellion or any form of lust we're walking in holiness therefore we get the living creatures hooves or the cloves amen which is a living creature walk which is a walk like unto Enoch faithful was the walk of Enoch and that's the only prerequisite for going into the heavens so what gets into the heavens when you trade your human feet for the hoof of the animal sacrifice truth and now you can call it Isaac it's prophetics which means it requires wisdom to understand you have to be in the right kind of spirituality which means in the knowledge of the Holy Ghost in the language of the angels to understand the mature meat for those maturing eating the cud to become what a sin offering equal to the sin offering of the lamb so much of what we have down here is a separation from the Lamb of God he wants you equal Song of Solomon says, my equal, my bride, which means she's also an equal spotless lamb. Isn't that what scripture says? A bride without spot and wrinkle. But what is he describing in Revelation? A lamb, the sin offering. <laughs> Your job in life is to become a perfect Passover lamb for what? The world. For the whole world. Revelation 7 never happens until we mature to be the same is as the Lamb of God over the nations so we say oh we're gonna rule the nations no you're gonna sacrifice yourself over the nations which is called agape you'll have a cross over the nations and it won't be something you just put on others and don't practice yourself like the hypocrites it'll be something you desire to do unto your God as a holy people who have learned the nature of the Lamb through the walk and through the food chewing of the cud and the walking of the clove <laughs> therefore your crosses will be gigantic over your cities as portals of the divine nature bringing down the cloven tongues of fire and we say oh Pentecostal that's a down payment there's truth in that we pray in tongues all the time but it's also the commanding word of God from the mountain of fire through all animal minds which is the rulership of nations of the word of God it's coming into a Moses level sovereignty with the Torah of the Lamb where my words descend from the holy mountain like light rain my words come as rain upon the tender mown grass and it cuts the weeds and it destroys the insects the flies, the liar, and all of his ways and wickedness and deception and religion and lust, it's incinerated by the Torah working in me through chewing of the cud and walking of the clove and carrying of the cross under the mountain of Zion, which is the mountain, if you read scripture, of all angel armies. 
So you get familiar of what a son is greater than the angels because you got three things that angels don't have a lot of. Cross, cud, and clove. Which makes you priests. Now they're priests too, but you're a different kind of priest. You're priests of the order of Melchizedek, the son of God, the firstborn, raised from the dead to be a priest face to face with God. End result of your walk with Jesus Christ that you serve the Father as a son from within the Father's heart. As a citizen of no ordinary city. Heavenly Jerusalem, which scripture says is a bride and is a scroll. Which means it's a function of government of word and deed equal to the one she's married to. The Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God is that nature of government of the increase of the bride married to the Lamb. Therefore her government shall be an ever-increasing peace upon the nations. Amen. Amen. That chewing of the cud. If you look at the biblical references and the concordances, you'll see the scholars say that the Hebrews, the Greeks, and the Romans, they likely used for the cud uh, the, the bean of or the seed of the carob tree. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Let's do a little review of one Enoch. I passed by the paradise of righteousness on the carob, on the carob tree. Those who chew the cud were clean. Like chewing chocolate bars. Yes. Pretty much. That's all the GTs. Uh-huh. I don't know if anyone else gets a lot of GTs about how much you like chocolate and you want chocolate and you need chocolate. Just me? Okay, no, someone. Okay. They ate of the chocolate tree, but it's carob. It's carob. So you know they were hippie vegans. Yeah, except for not demonic. <laughs> except for, I went in the spirit realm recently in the, highs, the higher halls of learning. And the way that you could tell, the way the spirit showed me how to tell which ones were demon possessed, where they had all the hemp stores with all the hippie stuff, and said, "Just don't, just don't go into any of those, and yeah, you'll we be hate fine." Hippies. <laughs> I passed. We down. got that out of our Christian system and the Jesus people movement. <laughs> moving right, on. Moving on. Amen. Amen. One Enoch. I passed by the paradise of righteousness, <laughs> and I saw from afar trees more plentiful and larger than these trees differing from those very large and beautiful and glorious and magnificent and the tree of wisdom whose fruit the holy ones eat and learn great wisdom that tree is in height like the fir and its leaves like those of the carob and its fruit like the clusters of the vine very cheerful and its fragrance penetrates far beyond the tree and then I said how beautiful is the tree and how pleasing in appearance then Gabriel the holy angel who was with me answered this is the tree of wisdom from which your father of old and your mother of old who were before you ate and learned wisdom and their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they were driven from the garden and what did they say of this tree the tree of wisdom whose fruit the holy ones the holy ones eat and learn great wisdom trees larger than those in the path paradise of righteousness 
When you go into the sun and you become righteousness, the righteousness of God, there is an ever-increasing and a growing from there. And ask yourself, which interior castle is that? Do you remember? I want you now, as the next part of your homework, to not only know exactly what sapphire stone you are on, but which interior castle are you in? Can you see its color? That's not as important, the color, as it is to know which interior castle are you in. The first, the second, the third, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on. And that castle, what is the name of the family line of Enoch associated with that interior castle? When you go into that castle and you go into the sun and become righteous, you go on and you grow from there and you become holy. It's where you're, there's a castle in which you are made holy. When you go in, you're not holy, but you go in to be made holy. And when you come to that place, you will find as Enoch did when he passed by the paradise of righteousness and saw from afar trees more plentiful and larger than those trees differing from them large and beautiful and glorious and magnificent from whose fruit the holy ones eat and learn great wisdom and you'll need great wisdom to overcome some enemies in the future who continues on? We have a volunteer. <laughs> Who continues on <laughs> to learn? Will you settle for righteousness, having done so much and it seemed like such a trial to even get on the moon and stay on the moon and to rise up and after pleading with God and repenting and so many trials and hardships to get into the sun, will you say that's enough? I've gone far enough? Or do you want more? How far do you want to go in Christ? There's always a higher way, a higher holiness. So approach his throne of grace. Approach his throne for grace in your time of need. In your time of need for cuddles and pets. And then sunlight will pour from your face. Matthew 17, 1, about Jesus Christ. You understand the standard of a normal Christian? Firstborn of many? Sunlight, this is what the Bible says, Matthew 17, 1, S-U-N, sunlight, poured from his face. What's the sign of great wisdom? 100% of the time, the sun in the sky will be pouring through your spirit and then your temple 
and countenance and face. The evidence of a renewed mind, according to scripture, is the sun pouring through your physical heads. They shall shine forth in the kingdom of their Father as the S-U-N. It is written. Rebecca talking about the precious things. Oh yeah, the precious things. While you're pulling that up, I had to share. Uh, if you notice the color that I'm wearing lately, mm -hmm. it's a pink coral. Now, it's always been my favorite. I like that verse, huh? It's always been my favorite color, but for about 15 years, sometime in between 10 or 15 years, I have not been able to find clothing in this color. And now this year it's released, people are coming out with it, some of my favorite places. Flamingo orange. Heresy. <laughs> <laughs> Flamingos are pink. You can leave it in the comments. Flamingos are more There's pink than coral. There's a reddish neon red to it too. It's not just it's regular true. pink. So it's pink coral. So, and it always, and that I would look and I would search and everyone would, would wonder what color I was talking about. It's as if they'd never seen it. What, this? And, no, that's coral. That's not, more with, but with pink. Like but more pink. Jordan infrared. But it can't, but, but that's too red. It's too red. Pinkish it had to be more infrared. pink. It had, and I could, and I don't know, it would just, for the last 15 years or so, I would look all over and I, I just couldn't find it. I almost gave up. And this year, and the increase of cosmic righteousness, uh, that color was released. Now, what's interesting is the last time I had an item with this color, or the, you know these two two different pink corals that I've been wearing, uh, was when the sun first talked to me, and that was before I went through a really crazy journey a long time ago. That was the first time I had heard from a you know heard the word of God coming down through. You know the stars or the sun you know and just I didn't understand it um, but it was a moment and I just found this today this verse in Lamentations 4 verse 7 Zion's princes were purer than snow whiter than milk their bodies were more pink than coral their hair was like sapphires princes of heavenly Jerusalem. Their bodies were more pink than coral. And she's been describing the color of that, her favorite color, as more pink than coral for weeks. <laughs> and then the Lord gave her the scripture for it today. Yeah, it's not great. It's amazing. Celestial sat and their hair was like sapphires, sapphire stones. <laughs> Amen. And so he's clothing you with the precious things, Exodus 25, 7, onyx stones and setting stones for the priest's ephod and for the breastpiece, Exodus 28, 6, have the ephod made from gold, blue, purple, scarlet material, and fine twisted linen by a skilled craftsman. Give it two shoulder pieces at two of the corners so it can be fastened. What it is... It's the prophecy I'm about to read to you right now. It is the wealth transfer of the end times. It's putting on the heavens as clothing. Putting on the stars as clothing. She wore a crown mm -hmm. of the tiara of 12 stars and she was clothed in the mm -hmm. sun, standing on the moon. And that's you. And you're going to do it in the new covenant as a lamb. 
Mm-hmm. And pink also represents purity. Mm-hmm. It's really a mantling of your calling and destiny of great purity. Yay. Glory. <laughs> Thanks. This is um, from a prophet named Nate Johnston. Oh yeah, this prophet, by the way, he's about to read that we shared online today. Uh, also, they, I don't, he doesn't know us, I don't think, but he continually prophesies about what we're doing. Yeah. I think the last one was when we ta- talked about the fathership of the apostleship. He had it all on his Instagram. It's nice to have accuracy from other places confirming mm-hmm. the walk. And this is about as accurate as I've ever seen. This was just released in the last 24 hours. I just woke up after an intense dream of an underground forge. Now this was released before the finale of Mandalorian too, by the way. Underground forge, where it looked like battle armor and weaponry was being made. But as I went down deeper into the winding stairs of this underground city I found that the real thing being forged there was an army of people created for a special and strategic purpose they had been in dark for so long that their eyes were burning with fire it's the underground church of America it had not defeated them but created them they were shouting in unison And it had the sound of millions of wild horses stamping their hooves. Hooves! Mm -hmm. Cloven feet. Perfect walk. And rumbling the deep. Their cries were of great celebration and anticipation as they were finally being loosed from their assignment and handed their orders of where they were to be sent. What is your purpose? I asked one. We are the army of Joel II, created to shake the earth before the coming of the Lord. What will be shaken? I asked, and he answered me by speaking this scripture. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, And what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Haggai 2, 6-9 Can you feel the rumbling in the deep? The great end-time army is being commissioned right now. Those who have been set aside, those in the wilderness, and those who have felt exiled and outcasted have been set apart for a time such as this. The Great Forge is birthing a movement, an army of Joel II. Joel's army. Shakers who will prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The profession of blacksmithing. There was, for the last couple of years, the Lord's been talking to me in different ways about blacksmithing and how it was 
uh, something that was dying out and was near extinction in our time. And uh, he would speak to me and say, this is what, you know, this is part of what you're called to do here in Red Letter Ministries. This group, you as a tribe, he said, are meant to restore that blacksmithing. And I would ponder and think about that with blacksmithing. You know, what do they do? They make tools and things, but the main thing you think of is the sword. The true craftsmanship of the word of God, forged in what? Water and fire. It's that relentless pursuit of the passion of Jesus Christ. That sword, what is the sword that's not been seen? What is that blacksmithing and that forging that is really unheard of in our day? What sword does it take to pierce the heavens? What sword, what kind of sword must be forged to fight the cosmic unrighteousness of cosmic demon gods in the heavenly places? The same sword that you used coming up out of the sand in infancy is not going to cut it. If you haven't noticed already, trying to get up onto the moon, it's a different type of warfare. And you can just go and sing Kumbaya and Jesus paid it all. Mm -hmm. But when you come face to face with the evil ones, it comes down to what armor are you wearing? What shield do you have? What sword is in your hand? And that's the moment of truth. You find out exactly what you have and what you don't. And so you very quickly, when you become cosmic and growing up in righteousness, you very quickly start to set aside the old ways of thinking, the old arguments, debates, and going back and forth debating about things that don't matter. And you very quickly arm up as fast as you can. You lift up the shield to protect the ones that you love. You lift up the shield to protect those undeserving ones whom the Father loves. And now you love them because you're growing in his heart. And you're going to need a sharper sword. Some of you, the battles you have coming in the future, this is the word of the Lord. He says, get stronger. This is a word for me, but it's also a word for you. Get stronger. You're going to need to be stronger for where you're going. And what is that? It's more of Christ formed within you. Maybe you've heard one of those proverbs that talks about instead of spending so many hours cutting down a tree, spend a little time sharpening the axe. Spend some time sharpening the sword, the tools, the weapons. You're going to need it as you rise. A lot of times when you have a time where thing, it, it feels that things might not be moving or a certain direction is fast, it could be that God has given you a time assigned to sharpen your sword and to grow the size of your shield, which is your faith. Go into the promises of receiving the faith of God, that's the shield of God, the wraparound shield. That'll cover your backside, where you, the areas where there's still a little pride, that'll cover you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Make it a habit, daily, of forgiving your family, 
Forgive your spouse. Forgive the people who sinned against you. Forgive yourself. Make it a habit of forgiveness daily and pouring out love, undeserved love, because it covers a multitude of sins. When you get involved in rising into the cosmos, you very quickly find that it's not so important about being right all the time as it is about protecting the ones that you love. It's not so much about proving your point that you were right or, you know, they didn't listen or your friends, whatever it is, your coworkers, it becomes much more important to you to protect. And that's the heart of the Father, so you're growing that you can protect them. You're growing that more angels are going to be assigned to you. Armies, angels, myriads of angels. And those other things, they just don't seem to really matter to you anymore. Those things of the world that once seemed so shiny and Oh, I just wish I could have more of that. Why can't I have some more freedom so I can go and sin? It doesn't have the same pull on your blood anymore. When you start getting into the sun, that gravity of earth, the earth and things, the old earth, it lets go. You're in a different orbit now. You orbit the throne of God. In all those little areas where there's gaps or misunderstanding, or just the rough edges of our own human nature that's coming off, that kind of brush up against each other, we might rub you the wrong way, we very quickly start to let go of those things and see the bigger picture, which is protect, seek and save the lost, execute the commandments, of the Lord God, yad heh vav -Heh, angel, captain, of angel armies, commander-in-chief, to execute his vengeance upon the fallen ones. And I'll tell you another mystery. Those clean animals, they chew the cud, many of them eat grass. And what is one of the mystical interpretations of grass? Mm -hmm. The fallen angels. Some of you are going to devour and destroy as a clean living creature, those fallen angels, and hurl them from the earth into the abyss. And the satisfaction that comes with that is beyond any satisfaction you could find in gold, girls, boys, fame, all those things, and glory of self-nature. But for the glory of God, and you rend those principalities from their cosmic places, and you tear them limb from limb, and you drain the very essence from them, and destroy them until they look like a deflated balloon, and in your fists as a mighty warrior, you execute vengeance upon them for all they've done to you and your families and to the believers of God, all that they've done against the Lord God Most High, and you hurl them into that abyss, and you watch them perish, and you will be so satisfied. And that righteous, 
that righteous thirst to see the blood of your enemies spilled, those fallen ones, will become unquenchable until you see this earth rid of them forever. In that thrill of the battle, you train my hands for war. By you, my God, I can tread upon the heights. I can bend a bow. I can lift up the shield of faith to protect. And you will become mighty warriors, a mighty company. David's mighty men, Gideon's 300. Mandalorians with jetpacks and Beskar armor. That's what your jetpack is. It's to get you into this the cosmos. This is the way. This is the way. Bathing in the living waters every day. It's time to ignite the Great Forge. Mm. And that fire in the center of your earthen vessel will be rekindled as a star again. And come forth the mightiest warriors the world has ever seen. Fighting spiritual battles. As the priesthood of Levi fought in natural battles and in invisible battles, you will fight in some natural battles. And then mostly in the decisions that you have to make, the choices under pressure. And you'll fight in invisible battles. And they'll be very real, and you'll understand quickly this is not make believe Christianity, but the realities of the invisible world upon you. And you can do it. We're establishing a place here for you to learn. Now take up the sword, take up the shield. Get into the training of righteousness. Take the master class on our YouTube channel. Go through. If you're a note taker, take the notes. Pray, decree, get on your feet. Take the time, soak and rest. Whatever your job is at your work, you do it diligently. You take care of your family, you do the right thing, and you develop your spirit and full faith of that invisible realm. This is your, cha your chance, your season, to grow strong in spirit. And I was hoping you have a word. I believe the Lord said you might have a word for our students, for those who are in training. To grow strong in spirit. That very that the training that I received from Joel's bar is how I began to grow my spirit. And when I noticed it was actually growing and getting stronger, and it was actually happening, not in imagination, but in realities. If you continue in that, that's going to give you the power to fight in the cosmos and stand on the moon and get into the sun. And hearing, eating, which is chewing the cud. Now, in doing and obeying, which is the, the cloven hoof of the walk, of not being hypocrites, not hearers only, but doers mm. of the Torah of the Lamb, doers of the Word. Mm. And it is a continuous test to bring your soul, your flesh, and your natural world into submission 
to the invisible God in the invisible world manifest through your spirit. So you have to use your soul and your flesh as the sacrificial system of the new covenant to obey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the summation of the Word. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Word of God. And those that obey the Word have the Holy Spirit. Those that disobey do not, but have a spirit of divination 100% of the time. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is sorcery. It is written. So God has given you the Word and the Spirit. And the Spirit is the fullness of the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Now, let all the Word of God be inscribed upon our spirit. I will write my law, my Torah, upon their spirit and upon their brain. It is written, Therefore they can walk with me in spirit and in truth, which is be worshipful. That's how you walk in the glory cloud. You get into all the word manifesting through you in a perfect walk, faithful and true. Then you walk with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in heavenly places and you never come down because it's written upon your spirit and your soul obeys your spirit and your soul is renewed to your spirit and your soul is slave to your Holy Spirit. And what makes it holy? Only God's Word. Amen. Amen. I believe God wants tonight people to be challenged to bring forth an offering like Abraham, an Abrahamic offering of Genesis 22, the offering of Isaac. Now after these things, God tested the faith and commitment of Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he answered, Here I am. God said, Take now your son, your only son, of promise, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. And then he got up and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day of travel, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham said to his servants, Settle down and stay here with the donkey, the young men, and I will go over there and worship God, and we will come back to you. Then Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on the shoulders of Isaac his son. Carrying the cross. Carried the, his own wood for his own sacrifice took the fire firepot in his own hand and the sacrificial knife, the word of God. And the two of them walked on together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? <laughs> For the burnt offering. Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb. God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two walked on together. 
When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound Isaac his son and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, Here I am. The Lord said, Do not reach out with the knife in your hand against the boy and do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God with reverence and profound respect, since you have not withheld since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise. Then Abraham looked up and glanced around, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering, ascending sacrifice, instead of his son. So Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. Amen. <laughs> Sacrifice that seed of Isaac, which is judgment, in order to bring forth the seed of Jesus Christ, the birth of the Messiah, and their family line, that seed that was promised. Otherwise, it would have only been sand and not stars. Stars and sands. And that's how he became the sapphire stone inscription of mercy, loving kindness, has said. Mm. And so Abraham named that place Yad He Vav He Yaira. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mountain of Yad He Vav He, it will be seen and provided. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Shabbat.